Hey, yo, what up, though? This is El Cyber. You got the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, damas y caballeros, welcome back to El Cyber Gigante podcast. Today is Saturday, November 29th, 2020. That's right. It's almost the end of the year. Just one more month. That's crazy. So Thanksgiving was two days ago. So I hope you guys enjoyed your time with your family and your friends. And everyone kept us safe for grandma and grandpa, you know? So today's podcast is going to be a lot of fun. At least for me, it is. All right. I'm going to be talking you through the different stages of performing a hack. Then after that, though, I'm going to walk you through how to perform your first attack. That's right. We're performing a deauthorization attack today. And then after that, we're going to close it all out with talking about how you can protect yourself against this type of attack. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get started. Oh, yeah, just know I'll probably get canceled after this session after I teach you guys this. So uh, it's been a great time. Yeah. So the first stage of penetration testing is information gathering and reconnaissance. There's two different methods for it. There's actively and passively. All right. Now, actively means you're directly interacting with the target. Right. So I'm just giving you an example here. Say I'm going to hack Facebook. I'm not really going to do it. Mark Zuckerberg. All right. This is just an example. Say I'm actually going to hack Facebook. What I would do is I'd go to Facebook and I'd be scanning their website for, you know, gaps and misconfigurations and vulnerabilities where they might exist. I'm directly interacting with their website. That means I'm actively gathering information. Okay. Then there's passively. And passively means you're using a middle source to gather information on the target. Now, an example of this would be you're leveraging Google search or, you know, you're, you're leveraging LinkedIn to find employees that work at that company. Those are different methods or, or passive methods of gathering information from your target. And the goal of information gathering and, and recon is figuring out the host names, the IP addresses, emails of employees that work there what programming languages are using, um, what operating systems, what version of those operating system, what packages make up the application, just everything in general that would be uh, susceptible to an attack, right? We're trying to find vulnerabilities across the board, right? And the more time that you spend on information gathering, the better your end result will be. All right, let's do some information gathering of our own. Uh, there's a basic tool or actually a few basic tools that come pre-installed on everyone's Mac. So uh, let's go ahead and get on your Mac right now. In the top right corner, there's something that looks like a magnifying glass. You're going to want to click on that. Okay. That's going to bring up Spotlight Search. Now, within Spotlight Search, I want you to type in Terminal. T-E-R-M-I-N-A-L. Terminal. Once you've you spelled it out, press Enter. And this is going to bring up the command line. And I'm not going to explain what the command line is, but essentially what it is is a way for you to communicate to the computer directly. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and figure out one of the IPs from Facebook. So we're going to click or we're going to type out P-I-N-G space Facebook.com. Enter. Okay. Now you see some things going on. Uh, click Control C. All right. Let's talk through what we just saw. Um, on the first line, you're going to see ping facebook.com and parentheses. There's going to be a number. This is one of the IPs that Facebook owns. 
Um, this is one of the many. There's several of them out, out there. Now, let's try another tool now. On the command line, again, let's type in N-S-L-O-O-K-U-P space Facebook.com. Enter. All right. Now you're going to have server and address. Those are your, your addresses or your IPs for your router. Don't, don't really worry about that. But right below where it says non-authoritative answer, there's a name and an address. So obviously the name is the Facebook.com website, but the address is another IP address that Facebook owns. Okay. And okay. That's another way to find an IP address. All right. One more tool. Let's run who is. So W H O I S space Facebook.com. We got a little more information this time, right? So let's go ahead and parse through this. Now we got some phone numbers, a fax number, the direct address or where Facebook resides. Uh, let's see what else. The DNS servers, uh, the registered domain. All right. So as you can tell, there's, there's simple, basic tools that are out there that we can use to figure out the IP addresses of certain websites. Um, like we just did right now. This is what we call basic information gathering. Now, if you really want to do some deep information gathering that you can use and leverage different tooling or technical tools that, uh, will basically scan through a website for you. And all you have to do is just run a, a couple commands. All right. All right. Moving on to the second stage of penetration testing or hacking, whatever you want to call it. This is where you can possibly start getting into some trouble, especially if you're not authorized to be performing these types of scans. This is in an essence, a different or a deeper form of information gathering. And you're doing this by, by leveraging technical tools to find entry points and weak points within the system. Okay. Now stage three or phase three is gaining access and exploitation. This is where the hack is actually performed and we begin to take control of the device, the system or the website or whatever our target is, right? We leverage the information we have gathered in steps one and two and use that to exploit the system. Once we've gained access to the target, this will allow us to steal data or use that system to attack other internal systems on the same network, okay? Now, phase number four is maintaining access, okay? This can be done by installing a backdoor or rootkit on the system. And we do this so that you no longer need to perform the hack or the exploit. You can simply just connect through the backdoor that you set up, okay? And number five is covering your tracks. This is removing all evidence that our attack was ever performed. You can do this through hiding files, deleting logs, or it can be just as simple as reverting all the changes back to its original state. Okay. So these are the five stages or the entire process of performing a hack. Now, remember steps one and two are the most important steps in the whole process. This is where 70% of your work should reside. The more time you put into information gathering, the better your end results will be. Okay. Now let's move on. Let's move on into the next section of the podcast, which is performing our first attack. That's right, guys. Again, I want to tell you, please be responsible with the tool that we're about to leverage. And also I'm not liable for whatever you do with that tool. Just want to call that out. All right, let's go ahead and open up your browser. 
And in case you don't know what a browser is, this is Google Chrome, Safari, things like that. All right. Um, <clears throat> once you open up your browser, you're going to go into the search window. You're going to type in github.com. So I'm going to spell it out for you. G-I-T-H-U-B.com forward slash zero lowercase x zero uppercase x uppercase d lowercase e lowercase v forward slash uppercase j lowercase a lowercase m uppercase w lowercase i uppercase f lowercase i forward slash this is all in lowercase right now releases r e l e a s e s forward slash lowercase t lowercase a lowercase g forward slash lowercase v one dot three dot two now go ahead and press enter all right now you're going to be brought up to a website called github.com. So in the middle of the page, you're going to see version 1.3.2, join feature. And right below it, you're going to see assets, three of them. There's going to be one that's called jamwifi.zip. Okay. So you're going to go ahead and click on that. It's going to download the zip. Now go ahead and open up the zip and double click on the application. Um, more than likely, you're going to get a notification from your computer saying jam Wi-Fi cannot be open because the developer hasn't been verified. Don't worry about it. That's completely fine and normal. Uh, what we're going to do is at the top left corner, we're going to hit the Apple button and then go to system preferences. Okay. Within the system preferences page, make sure you click on the button that takes you to the home page of system preferences. It looks like a, a square of, let's say four squares and three, it's like 12 squares or something like that. It's kind of weird. It's, it's like the top of the page. You're going to click on that button. Once you click on that, you click on security and privacy. On security and privacy, you're going to have like four different tabs. It's going to be privacy, firewall, file vault, and then general. And in a general tab, towards the bottom, you're going to see some lettering that says Jam Wi-Fi 3 was blocked for use because it's not from an identified developer. It's completely normal. You get that notification all the time. It doesn't matter. The only reason they put this out there is because it isn't downloaded directly from their Apple store. And it hasn't been verified by Apple. But this is an open source tool that's available for anyone to download. It's not malicious. It's completely safe. So don't worry. Um, so right next to Jam Wi-Fi, there's going to be a button that says open anyway. Either that's going to be grayed out. And if it is grayed out, then you have to unlock your system first. There's a tab lock that says click the lock to make changes. So go ahead and click on that. Once you've unlocked your system, you can click open anyway. And then you're going to be notified one more time. Mac OS cannot verify the developer. Yada, yada. You sure you want to open it? Don't worry. Just go ahead and click open. And it's going to make you type in the password one more time. All right. Now the application is up. 
you're going to see jam Wi-Fi. What we're going to do is press the button scan. And what scan is doing is it's going to start looking for the Wi-Fi's that are available all around you. So let's go ahead and look through this. All right. There's channel, there's ESSID, BSSID, and we'll figure out what those are right now. So go and find your specific Wi-Fi. On the left-hand column, it says what channel you're listening on. The ESSID is the name of the Wi-Fi, right? The BSSID is the unique identifier for your Wi-Fi. Right next to it is what type of Wi-Fi security you're using. And then the next one is the RSSI. And this is the, the signal strength to your laptop for that Wi-Fi. So if you notice, you're probably in the 50s, maybe 60s for your Wi-Fi strength. And your neighbors are probably around the 70s. And probably two houses down are in the 90s or so. That's the way I would categorize it. Okay. But we're not going to attack your neighbors or anything. We're just going to um, perform this on your iPhone. All right. And don't worry, guys. It's completely safe. All right. There's not going to be any long-term effect by doing this. It's completely normal function of Wi-Fi. So go ahead and click on your Wi-Fi. Now on the right column or in the right corner of the application, there's a tab that says monitor. Okay. Go ahead and click on monitor. Okay. Now on this page, you're going to see four different columns or so, five different columns. There's going to be a jam column, a device, BISSID, again, same thing for your Wi-Fi, packets, and then RSSI, which is the strength of that signal. Now, at this point, I want you to go to your iPhone, go to your settings, click on Wi-Fi, and I'm assuming you're connected to your Wi-Fi at this point, okay? Right next to the check mark, it has the name of the Wi-Fi you're connected to. Then there's a padlock, the Wi-Fi signal. Right next to that, it's a circle and an eye in the middle. It's a blue one. Go ahead and click on that. This will bring you to the next page, which says, forget this network, auto join, private address, and then it comes to Wi-Fi address, okay? Now that address that you see there listed, look for it on the application Gem Wi-Fi. Okay, go ahead and take a couple seconds to do that. Did you find it? Okay, good. Now on the Gem column, go ahead and uncheck all the other devices other than the one that's your iPhone. If you don't wanna send deauthorization packets to everything on your Wi-Fi, just to your iPhone right now. And once you verify that only your device is checked with the Jam button, on the right-hand corner of the app, there's a do it button, okay? Go ahead and click on that. Boom, look at your iPhone. It's kicked off the Wi-Fi. You're gonna get a note that says, unable to join the network. Okay, go ahead and try it again. Nothing, unable to join the network still. Pretty cool, right? All right, you can go ahead and stop now. On the bottom right corner, it says done. Click on the done button. All right, guys, congratulations. You just performed your first attack. Pretty dope, right? <laughs> now, you notice that you were able to see all of your neighbor's Wi-Fi's, right? Technically, you can see all of the devices connected to your neighbor's Wi-Fi as well. And if you really wanted to, 
you can send this deauthorization attack to all of those devices and kick them off the Wi-Fi. You can kind of mess with your neighbors if you wanted to. It it's it's not illegal, but it's I would say it's frowned upon. <laughs> okay. But also it's frowned upon to be slapping music at two in the morning and I'll shut up. So you might as well just do it, right? An eye for an eye. That's what I would call it. Anyways, moving forward. Uh, now you're wondering, how can I protect myself from this type of attack? To be completely honest, you can't. Deauthorization frames are a normal functionality of networking and Wi-Fi. But this type of attack is only used in the beginning stages of hacking into someone's Wi-Fi. Now, let me walk you through the process of hacking someone's Wi-Fi. So what you do is you send deauthorization frames to all of the devices on a particular Wi-Fi, just like we did right now, right? Once those devices have all been kicked off the Wi-Fi, you will set your computer to monitor all of the traffic on that particular Wi-Fi. And you'll see why in a minute. Now you stop the deauthorization attack and now all of those devices will automatically begin to try to reconnect to the Wi-Fi. And as they're trying to reconnect, they're providing the Wi-Fi password to the router. And since your computer is monitoring all the traffic going to that Wi-Fi, you'll be able to catch the password. Now, to protect yourself from this type of attack, there's a couple things that you need to do. You need to make sure that your Wi-Fi is configured on WPA2. I think that's the highest security version for Wi-Fi right now. WEP and WPA, those are outdated and very, very easy to hack. So you don't want to be on those at all. Also, you need to make sure that you have a strong password. You must have numbers, symbols, at least 10 characters, and have it be completely unrelated to anything in your life, all right? It cannot be your birthday. It cannot be your favorite team. It can't be your kid's name or your kid's birthday. None of that. If your password contains those things, it can be hacked. Trust me. All right. I think that's all for today, guys. I walked you through the different stages of hacking. We performed our very first deauthorization attack. And then I talked you through what this type of attack can lead to and how to protect yourself in the future. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.